wonderful women this morning, some mums who are going to share about a scripture or somebody in the Bible that's inspired them in their, in their role as a mother this morning. We have over here Rachel Chuckawatzer on the end, then we have Sky Gwyn, then we have Rebecca Jeffrey, and I'll wrap the baby up. <laughs> So it's just lovely to have them to share this morning. So I'm going to ask Rachel if she will just share. And as they finish, they will just introduce it to the next person. So let's hear from you, Rachel. We look forward to it. Hello, everyone. I'm Rachel. I'm a mother to, to two kids, 22-year-old um, Tino and 17-year-old um, Anessa. Um, I'm going to talk about a woman who inspires me daily. And um, I've learned a lot of lessons from the life of Hannah. Um, Hannah is a great example of patience, prayerfulness, faith, meekness, submission, and spiritual devotion, and motherly love. She was a gracious woman, and she never complained during a very difficult time, maybe I can say very difficult years. I've learned to speak victory despite oppositions. She was insulted daily. She was mocked by another woman who is supposed to be supportive to her. You know, the sisterhood where you think, you know, women will support women, but she was provoked daily. When Penina was provoking her to tears, Hannah went to pray. When her heart was breaking, year after year, she continued to pray. She never gave up. You know, I have faced different challenges in my own life. Overwhelming and seem unfair. But I have, um, I have faced trials that seem too big to handle. Hannah has taught me to take my tears, my disappointments to God in prayer, knowing that he, it is the only place that I can be healed and that I can be changed. Hannah poured out her heart out of great anguish and grief. Um, when she was provoked, when she was in crisis, she was oppressed in spirit. She prayed, continued to pray, and she poured out her heart to the Lord. Through Hannah, I've learned that faith is tested when life is tough. But will I trust God like Hannah? Hannah knew her God without a shred of doubt. She knew that God was going to come through her situation. Her relationship with God was solid. She never doubted one minute. I've learned that the greatest gift a mother can give to a child is to entrust them to the Lord. Is it easy? No. But the question is, do I have faith enough to surrender my children to the Lord, trusting that God's plan is perfect for them? Hannah promised God and she did just that. Can you imagine separating and surrendering your own child, three-year-old boy, and saying, God, here he is, look after him. And I think Hannah never stopped praying daily, you know, for her son, but she honored her promise. 
during that time in Israel, if you go back in Judges, it was a time of spiritual demise. Judges says everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Does this sound familiar? I think we are living during these times as well. Israel was in desperate need of a great judge and a great leader and a great man. Because of her obedience, Hannah became the woman whom God used to help to shape that man. We hear that Samuel was a man who feared God. Samuel was a righteous judge. Samuel was an intercessor. And it's because of Hannah. Hannah taught me to be a godly mother and to live by example, to stay committed to prayer, to stay committed to holiness, to stay committed to a life of service, committed to my kids. When you do these things, our kids see that. People around us see that. When we say committed to our children, knowing that they will change their generation. I might not see it now, but I know God's plan is perfect. Every day without fail, sometimes I do it in the morning, sometimes I do it driving to work. I never cease to say, no weapon formed against my children today will prosper wherever they will be. Remember God's faithfulness. Hannah has taught me to be thankful and not forget every time I get a breakthrough. The sovereign Lord of all the earth heard the cry um, of the barren woman. First Samuel 2 verse 8 says, He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the, cash, from the ashy heap. He sees them with princes and has, has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. God loves to give his people good things. Hannah was blessed not only with Samuel, but with five more children. There is no promise here that we will, you know, we will get everything that we ask from God. But I still, I still have some answered, some unanswered prayers as well. But that does it take away God's sovereignty? No. This gives so much comfort. Hannah reminds me that I can trust God's goodness and his unfailing love for my life and for my children. And I can trust God's plan for my family. Hannah's joy is recorded in 1 Samuel 2, her song of praise for God who hears and answers. Just as she turned to God in her weakness and pain, she turns to him in thanksgiving and praise. When God finally heard her prayers and answered her prayers, Hannah had a thankful soul, and she responded with a pure and broken stream of praise. Her words recorded for us are a masterpiece. She acknowledges God's holiness, God's wisdom, God's power, God's sovereignty, and his goodness. In closing, sorry, in closing, um, I just want to say that Hannah has taught me that I have arrows in my hands who has power to shoot powerfully. 
Psalm 127, verse 3 to 4 says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. Arrows in the hands of the warrior. My children, our children are arrows and they are weapons. And that is no mistake. Arrows are not meant to be kept safe in a quiver. He wants us to release that arrow to make an impact on our world with the love of, with the love of Christ. As I stay committed to prayer and living a godly life, I know I am pulling the ball back and shooting the arrows that will change the world. I may not see it now, but I will not stop because I know God is faithful. God bless you. Thank you so much, Rachel. I'm Sky. Um, I, my husband, Danny, is somewhere over there with our two kids, Josh and Clara. We run the youth group on Friday nights, so we spend a lot of time with your kids. If they're in a certain age bracket, young adults, a lot of time with the young adults and with the teenagers as well, and we just, we love it. It's the highlight of our week is Fridays. It's amazing. Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> So I wanted to share with you this morning two biblical figures who've really impacted my life and my journey as a mother. And it's this beautiful couple, Elizabeth and Zechariah. We're introduced to them in Luke chapter 1. So in verses 6 to 7, it says, They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. Now that might seem like a bit of an unusual um, passage to choose when thinking about inspiration and motherhood, but for me this holds really deep personal relevance and significance. Um, And we had a photo up there a minute ago of my beautiful family. Um, And look, uh, we're short people, so you might not completely notice this. Josh is nearly nine, um, and Clara just turned one. So we've got quite a significant age gap between our kids. Um, And that was not our plan. That was not us thinking, let's get used to sleep again and then start again from the beginning. That wasn't, that wasn't in our plan at all. Um, But we had this, this eight year gap that was, um, especially the last five years of that were probably the hardest season we had in our lives. And um, in 2018, I, we got a couple of answers and I got diagnosed with secondary infertility. Um, And to all intents and purposes, uh, five years later, with a baby, nothing has actually changed for me medically. Medically speaking, my body is uh, the same. It's it's gone through a pregnancy and the the fun and the joy of that. Um, But nothing changed within me and the condition of my body. God worked through and despite the limitations that existed and he brought us a, a literal miracle into our, into our family. So you can probably see why I really like Elizabeth and Zechariah. I've shared previously with our youth and our leaders the story of Wise Up 
2018. So the same year that we found out that I had secondary infertility, I was sitting here in this building and had the clearest word from God. And it was weird. It was, um, I, I love knitting. I love crochet. And I felt God really clearly say, um, he said, I knit you in your mother's womb and I really like knitting. And I was like, God, that's so weird. <laughs> but to me, that made so much sense. He was speaking to my heart and he gave me what felt like a really clear word that we would have a baby and I would carry them. And so we carried that into the coming years. But that word obviously didn't come with the information. It didn't come with a due date. It didn't come with the knowledge that we would be waiting five more years to meet her and the losses that we would experience in that time. And so those years also came with a great sense of feeling forgotten. Um, and I, I think it almost became part of my identity. I think there was a particularly... Um, not morbid, but maybe self-pitying season where I kind of thought of myself as the forgotten one, as though I was the only person going through this. It was a heavy weight to bear. And during that time, I remember reading about Elizabeth and Zechariah and just genuinely being really transformed by these two people and the way that they were spoken about in the Bible. So before we're told anything about their circumstances, we hear who they were in the sight of God and what they did in serving him in their lives. And they were righteous in his sight and they walked blamelessly in his commandments. And I often wonder about the emotions and the backstory and the relationships of the Bible. I endlessly want more information about these people that we're reading about and learning from. So I can only guess that even though Elizabeth and Zechariah were righteous and faithful, that they might have had moments where they felt really forgotten as well. In verse 18, Zechariah is actually so incredulous when the angel tells him that they're going to have a baby that he asks, how can I be sure of this? And he ends up being mute for Elizabeth's entire pregnancy. And I can't help but imagine the scenes of silence or quiet communication in their home in this upheaval of a time. Elizabeth also shows a little bit of how she must have felt in those years of waiting she says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown me his favour and taken away my disgrace among the people. I feel like sometimes it's really easy for us to reverse the way that God sees things. Elizabeth very understandably saw that the disgrace that she felt and she experienced within her culture from being childless. Zechariah saw logic and very real obstacles that were in the path of God's promise. I saw myself as forgotten. And I know that even now there are moments where in motherhood or in parenthood, it's really easy to feel forgotten in little ways. These early days of motherhood, um, some of us might find ourselves in bodies that we don't fully recognise. They feel a bit different from the ones we knew. We do a lot of the same jobs day in, day out, and um, the results of that disappear very quickly. And I know that as you move into raising teenagers and, and have adult children, those ways of maybe the, the work that you put in, the prayer that you put in, it's so often behind the scenes and it's easy to feel a little bit overlooked. I'm also very aware that there are people who haven't experienced parenthood, whether through choice or not, who might very much be feeling that sense of being overlooked or forgotten. Um, and I think that's 
that's harder in those seasons of waiting and of not knowing as well. God puts our identity in him first. Um, And that's what changed how I felt in that time. I went from being forgotten to seeing that God held something different. He does it with Elizabeth and Zechariah. He does it for us as well. Where we feel forgotten, he brings his faithfulness into that. Where we see our own weakness, he sees his righteous ones. And that's amazing. Ultimately, if I commit my identity as one of God's faithful, wholehearted followers before my identity in any other place, including that of mother or the other roles I have, I know that I'm going to be so much better equipped to step into being a mother as a righteous one of God. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. It's very powerful. Um, My story into motherhood started a little bit differently. So many people have nine months lead time. We had one hour's notice for our littlest one. Um, I became a foster carer and that's how I became a mother. So my husband and I have been uh, foster carers for 17 years and we've looked after about 20 children and young people. And we have loved on them, adored them, treasured them, tolerated them, um, helped to heal them and ultimately built our family. And for the most part, it has been a joy raising uh, our precious Fab Five, uh, who have been with us for the longest. Um, But it is true that foster care exists because brokenness and tragedy exist in our community. And it exists in families uh, right next door. Uh, And it, it really impacts little people so very deeply. And unfortunately, some of them return to the very thing that we were trying to save them from. In Luke 15, we read the passage about the prodigal son, and it's a son who asks his father for his inheritance, and then he goes and he blows it with wild living. With nothing left of his fortune, he gets a job um, with a pig farmer, and he looks down and he's so destitute that he longs to eat the food that the pigs have. And realising that his father's servants are better off, he decides he'll go back and return to his father and beg for forgiveness and asked to be a servant. And in verse 20, it says, so he got up and he went back to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father caught sight of him and was filled with compassion. And he ran to his son and he embraced him and he kissed him. And we read that the father celebrated and he gave him a fine robe and he threw a party for him. As Max Licato says, grace hugged the stink out of the prodigal. As a mum of a prodigal, I've been learning a lot about God, about prodigal love and about myself. And there is wonder in wounded places. One learning is that I'm not in control. Despite my very best attempts to play God, I can't make decisions for my son. I can't make decisions about what he does, even though I am so scared of the life that he's living. My incessant praying has very much been often telling God what I think he should do and how I think he should act. And it has been very much based in fear and not in faith. And I've been reminded that instead I need to come and worship God in those very, very broken places and to proclaim, even when I can't see how this is going to resolve, two chronicles, it says, do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. 
Stand firm, hold your position and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. The other lesson I've learned is about the village and the tribe and um, like Aaron and her, people who hold up your hands in prayer when you're weary in motherhood. Uh, we faced a lot of grief in foster care and there's been prodigals and there's been court cases and children with wild behaviour and the horror of what has happened to these children. And in that, there can be a profound sense of isolation. And so for Paul and I, we have had to be very deliberate in valuing and protecting our marriage and also coming alongside faithful, faith-filled friends who see you in the raw and the real, who hold you in the brokenness and who sit with you through snotty tears and they pray. And they pray not just for you, but they pray for your family and for your children. Just like we read about in Mark 2, Jesus healed the paralysed man because of his friend's faith. That's why the circle around us matters so much. And the season has also taught me about relentless love. It's um, in the story of the prodigal, we see how the father pours out so much love to his son. He pours out his wealth. And then when the son returns, he again pours out his love. And as mums, as parents, as aunts, as uncles, as Christian community, we're called to pour out love relentlessly. Even when we see the grumpy teen or the tantruming teenager, and we know it might not be reciprocated, we're called to pour out love. And in all this, I've been reminded too that I'm a prodigal, that I often chase after things of this world, uh, whether it's the Pinterest mum moments or even having my children as idols and putting them before God. It's easy to caught up, get caught up in the things that um, look good and, and are, are shiny and satisfy you for a season, but eventually what the world offers uh, will fade in its appeal and satisfaction. But see the heart of God. See the Father sitting on the veranda with the light on, watching, waiting, hoping to catch a glimpse of the one who's has rejected the relationship with him. See the father running to the son because the father knew that if someone intercepted the son first, they might send him away because of the shame that he had brought to his family. And so the father runs, something that was so um, shameful for a man to do in their culture, and he did it so that he could take the shame of the community. And this is a picture of salvation, God running towards mankind with his arms outstretched, not only to embrace us, but to take away the nails reserved for our punishment. No matter how long or how far we have wandered from God, he has his arms outstretched and he's waiting for you to bring you home and into relationship. Just like the prodigal in our stink and in our rebellion, God is happy to meet us right where we're at. He's just so desperate to welcome us home and into relationship with him. How wonderful it's been to hear from these three amazing mums this morning. I love how Rachel spoke of Hannah speaking victory over opposition. Hannah knew her God was going to come through for her and we can know that for ourselves and our family. God wants to release our children as an arrow or a weapon to make an impact in our world with the love of Christ. And then how Sky was spe how special it was as she shared of trusting God 
but sometimes feeling forgotten in the years of pain and of waiting. And when we feel forgotten, he brings faithfulness. Where we see our weakness, he calls us his righteous ones. And then Rebecca just shared so beautifully about learning prodigal love. We can't choose our children's path and how they lead us despite our very best attempts. But the battle is not ours, it's God's. And to stand firm and see what he does. And you know, when it comes to being a mother, I came across this quote recently. It didn't name its author. However, I felt it conveyed some of what I feel towards my children. Mark up on the left of the screen, that photo was just taken six weeks ago, and Deborah on the right. Most of you would probably know Deborah, and she lives in Canberra. It said, when I am walking in front of you, I am protecting you. When I am beside you, I am there for you. When I am behind you, I am watching over you. And when I am alone, I am thinking of you. And you know what? No matter what happens with my children or where life takes them in the world, I will never stop being their mum. They are always in my heart and nothing can change that. The following scripture so reminds me of how we are always in God's heart and this inspires me as a mum. Psalm 139, 1 to 10. Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement of my heart and my soul. And you understand every thought even before it enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book. And you know all the words I'm about to speak even before I start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow me to spare me from the harm of my past. In your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. Where could I go from your spirit? Where could I run or hide from your face? If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the realm of the dead, you're there too. If I fly into the radiant sunset, you're there waiting. Wherever I go, your hand will guide me. Your strength will empower me. You know, as mums, all of you will know, we never get a practice shot at being a mum before we become a mother. We're always learning on the job and I'm always learning new things as each stage of my children evolves, especially when they become adults. And that's why I am so thankful to God that He is always there for me, helping me and loving me each step of my way as a mother. You'll remember what Rebecca mentioned, how we need to see the heart of God. His relentless love for us as He stands with opened arms, just waiting for us, desperate for us to come home with all our baggage and all our past and come into relationship with Him. And because He gave us His Son, Jesus, to pay the price for our sins, my sins, your sins, and sacrifice His life for us. It means when we sincerely ask God to forgive us, 
He does. He simply does. And that's it. He doesn't hold it over us. And now instead of you feeling God wouldn't accept you for what you've done, you can know that He absolutely accepts you for who you are right there and then. And He accepts you with open arms. And the good news is that God raised Jesus from the dead on the third day after His death. So we can now have a relationship with a living, a vibrant, a victorious, loving Saviour. He conquered the power of death over life. <laughs>